Well, good morning to you all and uh, those who are here and those who are on, online. Uh, my name is Steven Shalita and I'm one of the adjunct clergy privileged to serve here at Truro. Uh, today is Trinity Sunday where we celebrate what we believe as Christians in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now shortly, we shall be affirming our faith by reciting the words of the Nicene Creed, which was adopted by economical councils of Nicaea and then also Constantinople as the core statement of our faith. And the creed has got what is what some people call the turning point in Christianity because it defines for us these four statements of belief that point to the Holy Trinity and to the church. And so we say in the creed that we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. This is our faith. We believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want to share with you today another way of understanding how we relate to the Holy Trinity. And so the title of my message is One God, Three Gifts. I know that usually when, when, when I'm preaching, I like to have... Uh, a topic because most times I forgot I forget what I'm preaching about so I hope you'll also remember if you forget anything else it's one God three gifts this is what makes the church love grace and fellowship so let us pray spirit of the living God we invite you to come and dwell among us we invite you to open the eyes of our hearts so that we may see you we may understand your word, we may discern the mystery of your word, and that our lives may be transformed into your likeness, all for your glory and through your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. The text I want to use today is tucked somewhere at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Paul had just given some words of instruction and tough love to the church at Corinth, and they were struggling with sin, including fornication and lasciviousness and all sorts of other things. And they were not repenting. This was the problem. So Paul concludes it after giving them some words of instruction. He says this in verse 11. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, I add, rejoice. Aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Maybe not now. Uh, things were different back then. And all the saints greet you. And the verse that really I want to focus on is this. It's the prayer that ends this whole letter, second letter to the Corinthians. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And where I come from in Uganda, we normally say this, uh, this grace, uh, we call it the grace, 
We normally say it at the end of every fellowship, service, uh, when you visit a home and you want to bless people, we pray this prayer. So anytime you hear someone from Uganda saying, let's, let's say the grace, they're not going to eat food. They mean this verse. They mean, let's pray this. And we pray it with our eyes open and we look around and bless as many people as we can see, usually with our hands joined. And that's, that's what it means for us. For me, verse 14 has always anchored my understanding of the nature of the Godhead and what the Trinity stands for or represents. Grace is directly related to Jesus Christ. Love is direct, directly related to God the Father. And fellowship is directly related to the Holy Spirit. I want to change the order a little bit and start with God the Father. God the Father is all about love. The Bible says God is love. He's not just loving, he is love itself. Everything about him is motivated by this one thing, love. And not so much love because of what we do or do not do, but love because of who he is. I had the privilege of having a love relationship with my father, my earthly father. And in many ways, my earthly father mirrored for me the love of God the Father for the 41 years that I was able to know him before he was promoted to glory. He was a Christian man filled with love and faith and grace and integrity and kindness. In fact, his name, uh, which I'll not pronounce because it's quite long, but it just means full of grace. Now, I was the exact opposite of that. I needed a lot of grace because I did many things that really you just pray for grace for me. And there are many times I can cite where I failed my father, but never once did he disown me as his son. I was privileged to live with my father for most of his last year on earth, and we had the deepest fellowship as he shared with me his heart. He poured out his heart to me in reflections about his life and his last wishes. And we had a very intimate relationship with one another as I cared for him and nursed him with my mother. Perhaps to crown it all, you know, my father never gave me this inheritance of houses and property and all this. It wasn't about things. In fact, the thing that he gave me, he said, I give you love. All that I have is yours and I give you Jesus. And he handed to me his pectoral cross, this one that I wear, uh, because he was a bishop and he had two crosses. Well, he had many crosses, but he gave me two of them. And he also gave me his bishopric ring, which I wear. And that was how he expressed love to me. The love of the father is just like that. But my father's love for me is nothing compared to the love of God the father. God's love is incomprehensible. It surpasses knowledge. Corey Asbury describes it as the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Now, reckless here means that it's just ridiculously generous. That's what he means. It's so generous. It's amazing. His love is higher than the heavens. His love is deeper than the oceans. And nothing we could ever do could make him love us less. Nothing in all creation could ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul captures it this way. He says, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, 
nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It was the love of God the Father that caused him to send Jesus to die his death, to die the death that we deserved after we had fallen into sin and broken fellowship with him. A direct translation of John 3.16 that was read for us today says, for God loved the world in this way. And I say this deliberately because the verse that we normally read is, for God so loved the world. And we tend to think that it's because God so loved the world, but God loved the world this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So here's how someone explains it. This verse isn't about the extent of God's love, but about the instrument of his love. The focus of this verse is about Jesus, the instrument of God's love. Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for us. And someone expresses it this way in a song, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Now, as you know, many of us are wretches. Uh, at least I was a wretch, and uh, sometimes I'm a wretch. A wretch is a despicable, contemptible person. Wretch, I'm a wretch because of my sin. We are wretches because of our sin. And you know, we like to look nice on the outside and all this, but in the inside, we struggle. I struggle with sin. I believe that some of you struggle with sin, but that God takes this wretch and turns me into something else. I become a treasure, not because of what I do, but because of Christ in me, the hope of glory. That is what makes the difference. And I want to invite you today to receive the love of the Father. This is the first gift I want to invite you to. If you did not or do not have a great relationship with your father or was abused by your earthly father or did not even relate to or know your father, I want to invite you into a love relationship with our heavenly father. His love is like a magnet where you're concerned. His love is perfect. His love is endless. His love is one that welcomes you with open arms, ready to embrace you. And his love is personal. It never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out. His love is eternal. You can start a new relationship with God the Father today by embracing his love. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been disappointed by all sorts of loves. The love as the world gives. People disappoint you. Spouses disappoint you. Children disappoint you. What you need is to embrace the love of the Father. It's a gift to you. Embrace the love of the Father. Second, I want to speak for a moment about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, as we said, is the instrument of God's love that came to us full of grace and truth. And someone explained it this way, that truth demands justice, but forgiveness is grace in action. You see, grace does not negate the ugliness of our sin. Instead, it washes it away. It expunges our sentence from the record. That's what God does for us. That's what Jesus does for us by his grace. 
God's love is best expressed through the grace of Jesus because Jesus is the embodiment of grace. Love is made possible by grace. And if you want to know what's so amazing about grace, it's this. It looks at a wretched, guilty, undeserving, condemned sinner like me in the eye and says, I love you and I will die for you so that you can be free. That's grace. It doesn't wait for me to be perfect. It doesn't demand for me to be perfect. It's love that is amazing. It's grace that leads to that love that is so amazing. I love, you know, the grace gives us the pass that we don't deserve. To understand the depth of the grace of Jesus, you need not look beyond his death on the cross. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us to be cleaned up. He accepted us in our filthy state. He gave us a hug when we were just dirty. You know, the, the prodigal son, when he came uh, to the father, they hugged him. They didn't wait. He was with the pigs. They didn't say, first get this guy all washed up, then I can hug him. No, they just hugged him. They just received him. And that's what grace does for us. Grace embraces us when we are not embraceable. God did not say that, you know, first clean up. This is, this is the challenge that we have in our Christian faith today. We want people to be clean before they come to Christ. We want, we, we want standards. We have all these standards. You know, you should, you should be like this first. You should not have a tattoo. You should be, you know, we say all sorts of things. And that's not what the grace of God is all about. The grace of God welcomes you just as you are. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He says, you catch the fish. We are fishers of men. You catch the fish and I'll clean them. That's what grace does. And I want to tell you that without grace, we could have never been saved. Because the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not the result of work so that anyone may boast. We could never work our way out of our salvation. Without the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we could never be justified. The Bible says in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. It's present continuous. We will never attain. We fall short. So long as we're still in this world, we fall short of the glory of God. But listen to this. But we are justified by his grace as a gift not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The grace of God is abundant, it's present, it's here for us today. It makes it possible for us to become part of the family of God. And I want to invite you to receive the grace of God. You know, sometimes because we are so used to grace, we have kind of cheapened it, we kind of trivialize it, or we don't see the depth of the grace. We forget that someone else paid the price. Yes, grace is freely given, but it's really not free in the sense that Christ paid the price for grace with his life. One of the great, um, you know, I would say great uh, theologians, uh, Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer, in The Cost of Discipleship, talks about uh, something that he calls cheap grace. And uh, he says cheap grace 
is the grace we bestow upon ourselves. Sometimes we, we, we are so arrogant that we bestow grace upon ourselves. And uh, he says, cheap grace is preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace, preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. What he meant is this, that grace has a cost paid for by Jesus, but that grace should draw us into being more like Jesus. So we don't just say, oh, his grace is sufficient for me, so I can do whatever I want. No, that's to cheapen the grace. Grace should draw us to himself that we should desire and aspire to be more like Jesus. So I want to invite you today to the grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus is available for you if you surrender to him and you say, Jesus, I'm here. Jesus offers hope. Jesus is the God of a second chance, but also of a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. He's forgiving. He always is there with his grace to receive us if only we can give ourselves to him. Jesus Christ will embrace you with grace when you surrender to him. Even this very minute, we sing in that wonderful hymn, To God Be the Glory, of great things he has done. And there is one line there that I sing usually louder than others because it ministers so much to me. It says, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment instantly a pardon receives. That, my friends, is grace. And that grace is available to you. The grace of Jesus Christ. And finally, I want to talk about the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. From love and grace flows fellowship. The Holy Spirit makes fellowship possible. The Holy Spirit is deposited into us so that we have a common medium of communication with God. The Holy Spirit is the mark of God in us. The Holy Spirit has been deposited in us because the Bible says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. He's right in us. He's always with us. He's the guarantee of our salvation. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Bible says that those who are joined to the Lord become one spirit with him. So the Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to have this intimate relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is intimate. The Holy Spirit, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit brings freedom to us. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We can access God generously, freely, because we have the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit also brings common understanding. Last Sunday... Uh, at Pentecost, we talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit in, the, in Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and we know that these were all different people. It says, devout men from every nation under the earth. They did not need translators when the Holy Spirit came. They could understand each other in their own native languages. There was communion and there was fellowship. There was communication. But even more profound is what happened afterwards in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We're told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to relate to people who are not like us, who don't look like us, who don't think like us, but so long as they have the Spirit of God, we can connect. You know, sometimes you meet a person, it could be on a train, it could be somewhere, and you just feel a certain sense in them that you're connected to this person. And you say, you know, you know how are you doing? And they say, I'm fine. And you find out that they are Christians. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. We have the same spirit drawing this, the spirit to themselves. So the Holy Spirit enables us to have this communication to become a fellowship of the church. We operate in the same frequency. Now I want to also invite you this day to receive the Holy Spirit of God. Some of us think that the Holy Spirit is all about tongues and you know all that, and that's true that you know, the gift of the spirit, tongues is one of the gifts of the spirit. And uh, some of us speak in tongues, others don't. But the Holy Spirit as a gift is available to all Christians. Because when we read in Acts chapter two what happened after Peter had preached, the people were cut to heart and they said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is available to you. The Holy Spirit is available to us. And sometimes as Christians, we, we kind of put away and shut out the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, it's because sin has shut him out. He's gentle. He will not impose. He comes to us if we let him in. And that's why King David, when he had sinned against God, he prays in Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. He's saying, I want fellowship with you. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me because that's what gives me fellowship with you. I still want to have your intimacy. With the Holy Spirit, you receive the joy of salvation. You cannot be joyful in your salvation unless you have the Holy Spirit. So I want to invite you. You may have broken fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You may have broken fellowship with God. The Holy Spirit is available to you as a gift of God. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit can turn your life around. So as I conclude, I want to say that if you want to have fellowship with God and with other people, you need to pray to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's the still small voice that makes repentance possible, that makes grace accessible, that makes love embraceable. The Holy Spirit unites love and grace into fellowship. So for me, every day is Trinity Sunday because we need love, we need grace, and we need fellowship to exist as the body of Christ. Trinity Sunday is about entering a relationship with God, having a new father who loves us perfectly, entering a relationship with Jesus, who is so gracious, who is the friend that sticks closer than a brother, and entering a relationship with the Holy Spirit who reminds us who we are, but also whose we are, and makes intimate fellowship with him and God and other Christians possible. 
That is the Trinity. Love, grace, and fellowship. Now, I did promise you that, uh, I, I did not promise you, but I did mention that in Uganda, we sing this song uh, at the end of the services or at the end of everything uh, that is like fellowship. And so I want to try, I've been speaking a lot this morning, so I hope I can crock my way into it. I want to try and, and, and teach you this song, and I want you to sing it with me. And if you can, I'll invite you to actually stand. Uh, and uh, as, as we sing, will you stand? And what we're going to do is that as we sing this song, uh, it, just know that it's a prayer. And don't, uh, don't close your eyes. Actually, if you can, hold hands with your neighbor. I mean, we're all vaxxed and sanitized and everything. And then look at as many people as you can as we sing it. So it's a blessing. You bless them with your eyes. It's an acknowledgement. And I'll try uh, and see how I can sing it. Okay, so here we go. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us forevermore and evermore and evermore. Amen. So we're going to try that one more time. I think I sang it probably in the wrong key and that's okay. Uh, you can forgive me. Okay, so this time you're going to sing it with a bit more, uh, uh, you know, strength, right? All right, help me out here, Gigi, okay? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us. you.